Richards trying to scoot in there alone. It pinballs to the crease. Scoot! Now a special presentation for you. Oh my god! Here we go, here we go. Welcome to the Pod Street Boys Podcast. With your hosts, Derek. How are you gonna get it, Bobby? John. And producer Matt. Unnecessary, but totally necessary. What's not to love? What's going on, everybody? You will notice this week at least that it is not Derek and John. It is just Derek, but I've got two awesome guests here to talk some hockey with us this week. Starting off with our lead writer. Two of our lead writers, actually. I'm sorry. We have Matt Hoagland joining us tonight. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hoagie's here. And as you will hear here in a second here, Matthew Casey is joining us as well. We're going to talk a few things. What's going on, Matt? Hey, how are you guys doing? Thanks, thanks again for uh, having me on. Absolutely. And after that really rough intro, because it's been a few weeks since I've really taking the reins here on this show. John had to take the reins from me. I've actually been kind of enjoying it, but regardless, we're going to get into this episode here. We're going to talk a little bit about, we've got some regression, some tendencies we're seeing with some of these younger players. We've got a certain tweet that we're going to discuss as well. I'm going to leave this up to you guys. Um, quite frankly, I don't really want to relive these past couple games, aside from maybe one, which was great because it's always great to see the Flyers beat the Pens. Uh, do we even bother going over these games anymore? <laughs> it, 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 it's like Groundhog Day at this point. You know, it, it's the same problems again and again. It really yeah, is. absolutely. It's, 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 my mood has just been directly Im- impacted by the Flyers, and I'm, I'm tired of it. <laughs> it really sucks, man. It brings you down. You know, it's. I I wrote my piece a week ago or so saying I just don't get excited for these games anymore. Like I still watch them, but I just. I'm assuming, is it the same for you guys, too, where it's just so difficult to get excited for these? I'll say, man, that I'm probably one of the most optimistic fans, and it's more so like, you know, in my lifetime. I've seen the the 10-game win streaks and things like that, and it's just, it's left the building. I just, I can't do it. The only time I've, like, felt like this was the 06-07 season where we were the worst team in the league, and I know we're not that bad, but... It's that same feeling of just like, oh, crap, here's another game. You you got to look at it, but you don't want to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm getting to the point where I, I kind of just want to put the game on my laptop and like play Xbox at the same time and not really pay attention, but <laughs> it's it's getting it's getting bad. <laughs> All right, it's to the point where I have to start paying attention and talking to my wife during the games, which she loves. <laughs> but, you know, I'm... <laughs> all kidding aside, though. Uh, what we want to get into first is uh, something that I noticed this week. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen the tweet as well. I want to talk about a tweet from uh, Greg Wyshynski here. And the tweet says, quote, As we watch this Vancouver situation play out, I keep coming back to something that an NHL GM told me before the trade deadline. And that quote is, If we're being honest, everyone is just trying to get this season over with. And I... Cannot agree more from a fan perspective here, um, just because obviously the way the Flyers are playing. But 
think about it for a second here. I want to go to Matthew Casey here real quick. I want to talk to you about this. It's mm-hmm. You see the lackadaisical efforts. You see the Flyers come out kind of flat. I should say kind of flat. They come out flat. Do you think that this tweet rings true in the Flyers instance? Because um, I guess he was speaking not necessarily to Vancouver, but a certain NHL GM that he doesn't disclose here. Do you see it ringing true for the Flyers this season? I I think absolutely. And, you know, it's easy to say if we were in Washington's uh, shoes or, or in the Islanders' shoes or even the Bruins, you know, who are, who are looking like they're going to make it, I would look at this tweet and be like, piss off. Like, you know, we're, we're having a great season. Go away. This is, this is amazing. But realistically, I mean, you're looking at the perfect storm of – of hurdles that the Flyers just are not able to get over. And, you know, looking forward to the off season, you still have a bunch of hurdles in there. You're going to have a shortened off season coming up. Um, even if, you know, when we don't make the playoffs, you know, it's still going to be a shortened off season. You have the Seattle expansion draft, which, you know, like it or not, that basically is going to dictate how the Flyers are going to play the rest of the off season. Um, and so I think, you know, I'm glad they played hockey. You know, it gave us something to do during a pretty bleak winter. Um, but I, I think, you know, the time to pull the ripcord um, was was a couple weeks ago, and it's apparent that Chuck Fletcher uh, is pulling the ripcord. And so, yeah, I think uh, I, I think Flyers fans are, are ready to have this, you know, have this season done. And I think from a, a franchise standpoint, what you're looking at, is how do you build excitement going into next season? Because right now, um, you know that's when the that's when the t- seats are going to be filled, and that's uh, that's what you have to look forward to. So it's going to be a big off season for sure. I know I just got done listening to the Five Minute Major Pod, our partners over there, and I heard Dave talking about getting emails and phone calls about renewing season tickets, and he doesn't seem too pleased about it, and I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's the approach these guys are taking because I mean, it seems so business oriented now and with Dave Scott in charge, you know, leader of Comcast Spectacore, it's one of those things where you know they're looking to get as many, you know, butts in the seats as they possibly can because that equals revenue. Now, Hoagie, mm-hmm. I'm gonna pose this to you here quick. Uh, you know, in your perspective here, does it just seem like this team is packing it in and is just trying to gear up and get ready for an off season that we might see a good bit of turnover? Yeah, I, I absolutely absolutely think that they're they're just turning the page and just getting on with it. Um, I mean, with the with the trades of uh, Gustafson and Raffle, I think Chuck was like, "All right, I, it's time to kind of kind of clear some some cap out and also clear some names out that aren't going to help us take that next next step." And we're going to bring in some some players that that will make that next step in the off season. Um, but to play on your uh, on your on your comment about um, taking phone calls from ticket reps, I actually took one last week, and I was like, "Hey, I live in Massachusetts now. Stop calling me and tell Chuck to freaking do something in the off season, please." <laughs> like, <laughs> like I pretty much told him to piss off. Like, I'm tired of hearing from you. <laughs> so, I Chuck's definitely got to do something, and I really hope it's a. I, I hope it's a splash this offseason. It's not just a little, you know, I'm going to stick my toe on the puddle. I hope it's a splash. And I hope Chuck says, hey, we're here 
to do something next year. Well, he's got to be. I mean, think about it. The the biggest glaring need that this team needs is a top-pairing defenseman with Ivan Provorov. You know, we've been lacking it since Niskanen retired. You know, that's the type of splash we're all looking for. But, you know, look at the moves that he made at the deadline with shipping out Raffle, Gustafson. I mean, they got peanuts for the guys, and they even had to retain half of uh, both of their salaries, I believe, or was it twenty five percent of Raffle's salary? I believe. I think I think it was twenty five of Raffle. Yeah. Yeah. So they retained, you know, seventy five percent of their cumulative salary. Or I'm sorry, my math is off. Anyways, they retained salary there. <laughs> um, they re-signed Lawton, which is a big deal. I think that's great. Uh, I know you're happy about that, Hoagie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, that's my boy right there. <laughs> yeah. And you think about it, twenty six years old, five years. He'll be thirty one at the end of that deal. It's a good deal. You're paying a, you know, I dare I say, premier bottom six player, three million dollars a year. Yeah, I think it's a steal in my opinion. And what do you think about that? I know we didn't really discuss this uh, leading into the show, but Matt Casey, what do you think about that deal? I, I, I'm a huge fan of Lawton, and you know, I know we have fun at his expense and his lack of, uh, you know, sort of facial expressions from time to time. But um, you know, he's he's one of those players that if you lose him, I almost think Chuck even said this on in his press conference. If you lose him, that's a big hole you have to fill. And yeah, we want to see him, you know, net a few more goals. And he, I think he's gone like 18 or 19 without a goal, which is. Which is brutal, but sadly, you know, it's not just him, it's the whole team. But, you know, you look at the penalty, penalty killing, his ability to move up and down the lineup, um, that's, that's, and he's, he's a proven commodity as well. Um, so if you lose him, you're trying to replace the stuff he does with, with, you know, two, maybe even three players. And so I think locking him down and the effort um, and skill that he brings and just knowing that, all right, he, he's, realistically going to be the third or fourth liner. That's great. If he needs to, he can jump up the line, but that's not going to be a long-term fix. So I, I like the signing, and I think it shows a good message that, um, you know, his his effort and his skills are being paid off. Now, John's expressed this sentiment in prior podcasts, and I want to get your guys' take on this as well. Uh, with Lawton, he is our third-line winger, center. He, he's very versatile, so he can play both positions, but typically he's on our third line. Is that more an indictment on the player that he is, or is it more of an indictment on the team and the position that they are in? Because anywhere else, to John's opinion, and I, to an extent, agree with this, he would be a fourth-line guy, um, especially if you're looking at your Stanley Cup contenders like the Lightning, uh, out in the West, I believe, what, Vegas, you know, he'd typically be a fourth-line guy. Is that, I guess, I'm just going to push this to you, Hoagie, because I'm sure you've got some thoughts on this. Yeah, I uh, I think it's kind of just the player that, that Lawton is. I mean, we drafted him in 2012, and it, he was our first-round pick. We kind of expected him to be a first-round pick and score those goals and, and be productive. And then we saw that, hey, you know, this kid's not really working out. Let's send him down to Lehigh – or at the time uh, – yeah, Lehigh Valley. And – let him retool his game, and that's where he became a 200-foot player. He's a defensive-minded player, and he steps up when it needs to be. He, You you see the glimmer of that, uh, that first-round pick potential when he gets put up on the second line with Hayes and uh, Konechny. But when he's on that third and fourth line, 
you can see how his game is so complete complete where he's forward checking he's playing the penalty kill he's he's playing those hard minutes and it, he's just a he's just a great player he's kind of like a Sean Couturier like scaled back a little bit where Coots you just know he's gonna be out there 20 22 minutes a night and putting up those points and, and everything and I'll, I'll I'll tell you what Lawton replaced the hole that we did not think he would when we lost uh, Tyler Pitlick last season. He really took over that physical play and just 200-foot game where, where we thought, oh, shoot, Pitlick's gone. Who's going to play that role? So that, that's my thoughts on him. Great point. I, I agree. I, I, I have. I... Go ahead, Matt Casey. I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say I, I agree with Hoagie, but at the same time, you're – this team is designed for him to be the flying center. The issue is that Nolan Patrick, and I know we'll get into this, has regressed to a point where we don't have a third line center. And so I think, you know, it's either moving Giroux back into center, which they've done, or you have um, Lott bumping back up and becoming the third line center. Um, so I, I think it's also a product of the environment. But I think in an ideal world, even on this team, he's still our fourth line center. All good points. I, I agree. I mean, and you know, I just I wanted to touch on one more thing here before we foreshadowed to the uh, the regression here because that's going to be another. This is going to be the big topic that we're going to discuss this week. But I want to talk about in regards to Wyshynski's tweet. Everybody kind of packing it in. How do you think that makes the veteran players feel? The guys like Claude Giroux who are starting to. I don't want to say exit their prime, but they are at that age where it starts. The Voracek's of the world. You know, Couturier is in his prime. How do you think those guys feel if that's the type of mentality that's kind of across the board in the locker room? I guess we'll start with uh, Matt Casey here. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Matt Casey. I have no thoughts on it. Right <laughs> um, look, I, I got to think it's tough. You know, you look at the guys, you know, the quote-unquote core of this team in, in Giroux and Voracek and JVR um, and even Gaturier, um, you know, they can see that, you know, the clock's ticking a little bit and this year didn't pan out uh, like they hoped, obviously. But I, I think, unfortunately, I do think that they're seeing or that they felt um, the pressure and that they're kind of going it in and you see that kind of running down the lineup. Um, and, you know, I, I just... I, I think it's got to be tough for them, but uh, I, what I'm hoping, and again, this is the optimist in me, is that they look at this and be like, okay, shortened season, totally, you know, unprecedented circumstances, all of the, you know, cliche COVID words that you could think of. I got to bust my ass during this, you know, already shortened off season because next year has to count. Um, and hopefully, you know, uh, you know, hopefully Chuck does make some moves. And I do think one of those main pieces is going to be moved out. Uh, in some way, shape, or form, but um, you know they got to build excitement. But they got to understand that this year was a totally lost year, and uh, they they need to uh, they they need to step it up. Uh, I absolutely agree with you, Matt. I mean, Derek John and I, and I have had this conversation where you know we didn't want last season or this season to have that you know that asterisk on on the uh, on the year, and I think even regardless of what the NHL did or what the world was doing, we were going to have those asterisks on this season. And I think 
with Wojcicki's t- tweet, even though I I can't stand the guy. <laughs> and if I if we were if we were in a, like a better spot as a Flyers fan, I would have I would have quote to you and say, like what like what you said, Matt, kick rocks. Like, <laughs> but I mean. At this at this point, as a Flyers fan, we just we just need to get through it, and I'm sure the fly I, I'm sure Flyers players Giroux, Voracek, Hayes, Couturier, and probably even Carter Hart, who's having a terrible season, is saying we just need to get get through the rest of it just to just to get through it. Like <laughs> chalk it up, say wave the flag, and let's let's get on to the to next season. It's a tough one, you know, because you you hate to see that type of mentality with some of the aging veterans on this team. But, I mean, Giroux still is out there performing. Voracek even is out there performing. Like They're doing Mm -hmm. well, maybe well enough, you could say. Um, But for how much longer are they they going to be able to do that? You know, that's the question that kind of rings in my head. Um, But going back to what Matt Casey was talking about with regression, in particular with Nolan Patrick, we have... A good bit of young players on this team. And we talked about it leading into the season where Chuck Fletcher decided to instill a lot of confidence, specifically in his blue line with the young blue liners in Provrov, Sanheim, and Myers, by not going out and addressing the need of replacing a Matt Niskanen. What we're now seeing is these guys just don't seem to be up to the task. Um you know, it, it's incredibly unfortunate. It, it, it's been a pain to, to watch these growing pains. Um, but, you know, what what we did here is put together a spreadsheet comparing last season and this season, both shortened seasons. And you notice a, you could call it statistical trend with many of these. And they're just not, you could call it performing up to snuff, I guess you could say. Um it, I'll lead with Hoagie here. Is there a specific player that you want to touch on first that we could discuss here and maybe try to pinpoint why they're regressing? Or I mean, well, it could be in a broader sense because the team's just not that good. But anyways, I mean, is there a specific player that you really want to discuss about their regression? Let's uh, let's kick it off with uh, Konechny. Okay. Only because I wrote that article at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And I had such high hopes, <laughs> and now and now it's kicking me in the butt. Um, I mean, Connecticut had such a high season last year, and everybody was so high on him. And then the playoffs hit, and he just he just took that downward spiral. And it seems like this that that spiral just keeps going and going and going, where he's just just not there. It's kind of annoying. Um, I mean. I don't. You can't blame it on you know he's he just got a, a chick pregnant, but you know I'm sure that's that's in his in the back of his mind. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I mean I don't. You gotta you gotta shake him up with somebody. I don't know. I mean we've seen him on the first line, we've seen him on the second, we've seen him on the third. I, regardless of who AV puts him with, it's he, he's not producing near as good as he was last year and it's just it's so it's so bad i mean last year what he was leading the team in goals right with 24 i believe so right? yeah yeah and, and now he has nine yeah. like that's that's just despicable i mean if you have such a good season last year you gotta you gotta kind of put your put your pants on and get, and get going kid 
So, yeah, I mean, what That's do you think about this, Matt Casey? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. TK has been a disappointment, and you're right. It started not just with him, but with the team in that, really, with that Montreal series in the bubble. Something something happened, and I, I don't know what it was, but um, yeah, that was the start of a, of a rough patch for TK. Um, but the one that I want, you know, I wasn't going to focus on until I started looking at the numbers, and it's Phil Myers. And I think everybody last year was like, okay, we we basically got a, a diamond in the rough with this kid. Like he he's outperforming what we ever thought. Let's you know let, let's give him more responsibility. And then just looking at his plus minus, uh, last year he was a plus 17. This year he's a minus 12. Um, that's a, you know, that's a, that's pretty, pretty dramatic. And, um, you know, you can say, you know, the Niskanen thing, I, I get it. You know, that definitely affects Provorov more than anybody, but it also makes other defensemen have to play up or take on more responsibility in the lineup. And it just becomes so clear that Phil Myers was just not ready to make that step. Um, he's been healthy scratched a handful of times. Um, I think with the emergence of, uh, Morin and, and even with some better players from Haig, you know, he, he's not being relied on as much. Um, but I don't know. I, I need to see something more out of Phil Myers. Um, he's big, but he doesn't necessarily hit, you know, he's, you know, should be strong defensively, but he's a minus 12. Um, something's just not clicking with that guy. It's definitely frustrating, you know? To your point, Matt Casey, um, the big body on Phil Myers, what, he's 6'5"? Like, the guy should know how to take the body. And, right. you know, I'm not going to sit here and play hockey, man, and say the guy needs to lay the hits. The guy needs to be tougher. <laughs> you know, I, But at that size, like, come on, man. Something's got to give here. Um, the plus minus is drastic. I'm sorry, you wanted to it's, say something, yeah, Matt? It's, it's glaring. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah I, I was also going to say, he has to be something. Like he, if he's big, he's got to take the body. If he's fast, he's got to be faster. If he's, you know, an offensive mind that he's got to get better at the offense. Like right now he's just sitting in limbo. Um, and you know, I, I, you know, he's been paired with Sandheim for most of the year and Sandheim's had a tough year, but like last night he played probably the best game that he played. Uh, I've seen all season with the exception of the big gaff game winning goal. Um, but yeah. So, uh, it, it, that's just an anomaly, but I think you need Myers to find an identity. Myers is a microcosm of the Flyers. <laughs> the identity crisis of both <laughs> right. is just, it, it's impeccable. Um, but to uh, to Hoagie's point here with Konechny, you're seeing the streaks. You're seeing these last five games where he's pointless. And then the 10 games prior he had 10 points. The 13 games prior, including those 10, he had 13 points. So he does mm-hmm. score and he plays well, but the biggest thing that sticks out to me about Konechny is when he was benched early on in the season for that Islanders game. And he came back and didn't respond. Like that was supposed to be the spark. That mm-hmm. was supposed to be the fire under you to really get you going. And it did nothing. I think he went pointless in his in his next like five or six games or something like that or one point I don't know, but like that's the type of response that you do not want to see out of these younger players, and it's frustrating because you see his potential that he had last year. He was the leading scorer for the Flyers, and on a deal like that, he's an all star for God's sake. Exactly, he was the yeah. one all star from the Flyers that made it, and it's like 
you see this regression in his game. And yes, obviously this will be across the board here, but you can blame it on COVID, all those excuses. That's fine. You can blame it on the fact that his head might be elsewhere because now he has a child on the way. Um, but, you know, you signed up to play the game. You opted in. The Your mind needs to be right. And, you know, maybe I'm being insensitive here, but you could have opted out and said, no, man, I got too much on my plate right now. People are going to call you mentally soft. Like, there, there's two blades <laughs> to that sword. It's, it's one of those things, you know. Mm-hmm. But with Myers, too, it's like there hasn't – initially there was a good bit put on him because he was expected to be the replacement. He was going to be the right-handed defenseman opposite of Ivan Provorov. That didn't really work out. And then the role lessened and lessened and lessened and lessened. And now you're seeing Justin Braun up there on the top pair with Provorov on a majority of the nights. And it's like, you know, Morin's been playing well. Yes, there was a dumb move the other night, dropping the mitts before Hathaway decided not to. You know, <laughs> I'm just going to chalk that up to Hathaway being scared. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, you know what? It, I just, again, I don't know what to think because maybe it was too soon. Maybe he needed another year. Maybe he needed a little bit more time, uh, averaging a little bit more ice time, more situations, this or that. You know, call it what you will. My guy that I, and I mean, I'm sure you guys obviously will have something to say about this. And Matt Casey, you referenced this earlier. I want to talk about Nolan Patrick. Um, I've been very critical of Nolan Patrick and his performance this season. Um, and you look back at his rookie and sophomore years, 30 points, 31 points, the entire 1920 season off because of the migraine disorder. And now he comes back and he's got eight points in, was it 42, 43 games? You know, what... I, I don't even know where to start here, and if one of you guys has a thought on this right now, please take the mic from me. I I, I just I don't know what to. I'm I'm perplexed. <laughs> I th- I think all of us are, and I and I want to say all of us, meaning all of us as Flyers fans, because you have the Nolan Patrick stands who he can do no wrong in their eyes, and then you have your kind of kind of critics that were like that you kind of be like he needs to be better and then you have the the people that are like no 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 he, he's coming off of of you know the the headache or the migraine syndrome and it's like no he's a second overall pick he's got to do better and i i i was kind of hoping we'd see him out of philadelphia at the trade deadline to be honest with you because it's just it's just been brutal to watch him. He just doesn't look like he's there on the ice. He just like like Matt Casey said, he kind of just looks like he's in limbo. He's kind of similar to Myers. He's just kind of out there, just kind of doing something, not much mm-hmm. of anything, but doing something. But I mean, last night he he was kind of noticeable on the power play. He was he was directing shots. He was he was trying to make things happen. But like it was just. Brutal. It's just been a brutal season to watch him. So, I mean, who knows what Chuck will do with him this offseason. And he is yeah, an RFA. I, I think um, he is an RFA this year. He will be, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I, I don't know. I've, I've heard rumors that it may be a mutual parting. Um, you know, I have zero sources, zero credible sources on that. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> it, me, it was me shaking my magic eight ball and that, and that was it. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's tough. Like, the, the kid was dealt a real crappy hand. Right. Like you don't wish it upon anyone and, you know, all the caveats on there. But I also kind of put it on the coaching as well in that they gave him an incredibly long leash. And honestly, they were sort of forced to when COVID took down, you know, half the team. And all, all of a sudden it's like, oh, Nolan Patrick, like, you know, you're one words who actually had experience now playing like here you go. But I think, you know, he was given a pretty long leash. And if he did not have that number two attached to his name, I, I don't know. I, I can't think of another player that would be given that long of a leash to stay in the lineup and just not produce. Um, and so I, I put it a little bit on the coaching as well. And it's like probably bad politics and you feel for the kid, but at the same time, this is a business and you got to win games right now. He's not doing it. Yeah. It's been incredibly frustrating because you know, from the get-go, I was very critical, saying, okay, you know, everybody wanted to talk about the scrimmages. You know, he's taking part in this scrimmage, that scrimmage, and that, that's great. It's a positive mm -hmm. sign, but I was of the mindset that I'll believe it when I see it. I want to see the NHL mm -hmm. product. I want to see him on the ice in an NHL game. And I got ran through the ringer with people that were just the, the apologists and the people that were, you know, no, Patrick, his migraine disorder. And it's like, that's fine. Like, I get it. And it's, it is unfortunate. I, I feel for the guy. It's terrible. I, I get migraines from time to time and I, I can't function. So I can't imagine what it's like to get it on a more consistent basis. But the fact remains the guy was cleared to play. He's been playing. He started out the year pretty well. And then all of a sudden, it's just he's going through the motions out there. And I think that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing for me is that you, when you come into the league being picked number two overall in the draft and you have such high expectations tacked to your back there, you've got to perform. And that is a lot of pressure. I, I'll give him that. And especially coming off mm -hmm. of missing an entire year. But when you're cleared to play, you're cleared to play. Like you need to go out there and you need to do your thing. And he just hasn't done that. And as far as the mutual uh, parting of ways there, it's a shame that the Flyers won't be able to get anything for him, you know, because obviously the deadline has come and gone. But it might not be the worst thing. You know, changes of scenery happen all the time. And you see players thrive when they leave the, the team that they played for the year prior. Um, I'd hate to see that because I feel like at his best, Nolan Patrick can be a great center, but we're not seeing that in Philadelphia. You know, maybe he's going to be more at home, mm -hmm. closer to home, you know, towards Winnipeg, I believe, is where he's for, uh, around that area. But you hate to see that. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. You know, with Nolan Patrick, it, it's... I, I, I think one of the other things to, to put in there, and I hate to lump the two together because I know they're two totally separate players, but you have two guys coming back in the form of Patrick and Limblom from like very serious, you know, full season, you know, out and having to work their way back into game shape. When you have two starting forwards trying to work them way their way back to their game, uh, that's not going to be a recipe for success. And again, it's like I feel like an ass saying that, but like, the reality is that's not translating on there. And I think Limblom, 
worth hanging on to. And I think he's going to get, you know, have a good off season and get that muscle mass back that he, that, you know, the, the Ewing's Arkema took away, but to have two of those players trying to work their way back into game form, um, I just think was too big of a hill to climb uh, for the, for the team to overcome. Absolutely. I agree with that. I think yeah, you're asking that, a lot, that's especially a, that's a great point. Guys. Yeah, it's a great point, Matt. Yeah. So we want to talk about Lindbaum. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into Lindbaum. You mentioned him. We're looking at a guy who, up until he was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma last season, he was leading the team in goals. Uh, 11 through 30 games, to my knowledge at least. He was at least in the top three, to my knowledge. But He was leading the team in goals, yeah. He was leading the team. Okay. I'm so glad we have somebody to fact check me. I remember making that point against a Penguins fan last year. <laughs> they were they were trying that Crosby was hurt. I was like, "Are you kidding me? We just lost our top, our leading scorer to freaking cancer. Go cry about it." <laughs> Perfect counterpoint. Uh, but like, what we're seeing with Lindblom is not as bad as Patrick. Like, we're seeing more points from Lindblom. Not many more points, but more. But again, I mean, maybe I'm too harsh and maybe I'm more results oriented, but I need to see more. And we've seen him being benched. We've seen him, you know, being demoted to the fourth line for a period of time. And I mean, I don't know. That's a whole different discussion. Being demoted to the fourth line to try to jumpstart a guy. I don't know if that's the right move, but maybe that's why I'm not a coach Mm -hmm. in the NHL. Anyways, (laughs) we're... It's so difficult to be critical of a guy that literally just got done beating cancer, you know, but right again, and I go back to this point and again, it might make me sound harsh, but you're cleared to play, you know, you're in the lineup night in and night out for the most part. I think it's time to really get your, you know, what in gear, start proving why you have that roster spot as opposed to some of these younger guys. Um, but again, you know, maybe it, it, the cancer wreaked havoc on this guy. Like, it wreaks havoc on anybody who has it, obviously. Yeah. So, you know, maybe next year he comes back, he'll be – I don't want to sit here and say, oh, he might not be in good shape. He Obviously, he's in good shape to play hockey, but maybe he'll get his legs back to the point where he was before the diagnosis. Maybe next year he comes out and really just takes off the way he did last season. Who knows? That's what I'm hoping for. Um, but this season, man, it's been tough to watch if you're a Nolan Patrick or Oscar Lindblom fan because it just it's been really rough to try to I don't want to say root obviously you're rooting for the guys, but like seeing the way they've been playing and then being upset yeah. with the results, I guess is what you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, with Lindblom, you can't really be upset because like. Every game, you kind of see a little bit of his of his game kind of get back. It, I mean, he he's he's literally running a marathon. Like it, it's going to take him a while to get everything back to his game. And I, I feel like I feel like that's why we're not so critical of Limblom because we know what he went through, and mm-hmm. and like that's that's why we're so critical of Patrick because you know it, it's 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 such a spectrum. For the two, but I I feel like with Limblom, if you watch him, 
skate on the ice, he's getting every little aspect of his game back that he had right before he was taken out of the lineup because of that cancer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's exciting to see him get back there, but I hope I hope he really takes it to the next level during the offseason and kind of just really get him get himself back and ready ready for opening night next season. Absolutely. Yeah, That's yeah, all you can I, I, see. I, I almost picture like in in like Major League Two when Wild Thing Ricky Vaughn like makes a triumphant comeback. It's like gonna be <laughs> right. the blonde with his, his his flowing blonde hair, looking like Gunnar Stahl from uh the D two and and uh you know, it's gonna be like, Oh my god, he's back. Um, yeah. But I mean I, you know that that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for that long that sunshine hair. I'm waiting for that. Right. I think I think right. that's his that's his like that's his magic power right there. <laughs> Let, let me ask you this though, because like I, I don't know, I also yes, you know, we can g- go through the the cancer elements, but I also think that we've seen from Oscar, you know, when he, you know, he was leading scorer when they when when this creeped up on him, but he sh- he proved that he could perform. Nolan Patrick, in the years that he's been with the Flyers, I don't ever recall being like, oh man, this guy's it, it, this is exactly. our guy, exactly, um, and I. And so I, I just feel like Limbaugh, yeah, we're giving him a longer leash, but I think it's also like we've seen what he can be, and we think that he can be that again. With Patrick, I, I just I haven't seen it. The only thing that I've seen is like we got a number two guy who is a potential bust, and that's a that's a tough pill to swallow. It's a tough uh, it's a tough label to shake as well. I mean, yeah. Think about look at the career of Nail Yakupov, you know, former number one overall pick. <laughs> you know, I bring this up all the time because that's really the one guy that I can really hammer home and say the guy was a bust. He didn't work out in Edmonton. What I don't even know if he's still in the league. I know he played in Colorado. He's not. He, he's not. He's in KHL right now. Exactly. So I mean, it's like you don't want to see that happen to your favorite team. And we're on a path right now where mm-hmm. it's a real possibility. And that's scary because this guy was supposed to come in. He was supposed to take that trajectory, like start at 3C, work his way up to 2C, eventually take over for Claude Giroux maybe, you know, or Sean Couturier, whoever it might have been. And it's looking increasingly unrealistic to expect that of him. And that's incredibly mm-hmm. frustrating. Yes. So I, I think we always have it in the in the back of our mind too. We're just like, you know, we're we're almost, uh, you know, we have like PTSD of trading away Bobrovsky, oh, you God. know, and it's like, God damn, why did we do that? <laughs> and it's like, I think like in the back of my mind, I'm like, we gotta let him cook a little more. We gotta let him cook a little more. This could be the next Bobrovsky. Um, but yeah, but, it's tough. But with Patrick, I feel like we're there where it's it's. Yeah. It's burnt at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think about it too, and to kind of play devil's advocate here, Sean Couturier was drafted, what, seventh overall? And it took him mm-hmm. seven years to get to be a 70-point player per 82-game season. So if we're going to go along those lines, but at the same rate, is it worth waiting? In, Kutur- in Couturier's defense, I feel like the pipeline was too clogged for him really to get that get up there. Mm-hmm. I think we had a lot of bad contrasts for him really to get into that first or second line. Yeah, that's a good point. lines. 
It's a very good point I, there. I, I think with Couturier, the, the one thing you got to keep in mind is I think as a rookie, it must have been his rookie year or his second year. What, what year did Coots come in the league? Was it 2012? I don't – it wouldn't have been 2012. I, I think he – I'm looking it up real quick. I feel like um, – Where's, where's that? Albie Cubell? <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, but, no, Nat, Nat, Nat. Oh, Nat, Nat. <laughs> Well, Coots may not have been putting up, you know, 70 points. What he was doing was shutting down Evgeny Malkin in the playoffs. And Great point. And it's like, hey, if that's Patrick's game, like, hell yeah, man. And, like, Couturier evolved into the scoring player, but he was that defensive shutdown guy from the day he stepped into the league. And, you know, Patrick's not bringing that to the table either. No. And I mean, you almost think there might be like a reverse trajectory there where no one Patrick has that scoring touch that Sean Couturier learned and became accustomed Mm -hmm. to. And now we're seeing it. Whereas maybe now they're trying to teach Nolan Patrick to be more defensively sound, which Mm -hmm. in my opinion, I don't know if you guys share the same opinion as me or not, but I think that's ridiculous. Um, He's crap at defense. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's frustrating because if you're a goal scorer (laughs) or you're a point getter, Go get those points. Like we've got yeah. other guys. We have two defensemen on the ice at all times. You know whether they're good or not is another discussion. But there's two defensemen back there to play defense. And yes, it helps being defensively sound as a forward, obviously. But look at Ovechkin. For how long was there that talk like he's not that good at defense? But who really cared when you're putting up 40, 50 right. goals a season? You know. Yeah. So. <laughs> That is Couturier in no way drafted. a comparison to Ovechkin between Ovi, Ovi and Patrick there. Yeah, sorry if yeah, I misled you guys. You definitely can't do that. But with Couturier, he was drafted eighth overall, and he came into the league at, in uh, 2012. 2011-2012 season. Okay. Yeah, so it was it was that like that notorious Pittsburgh series that there yeah, were brawls. It was, it was crazy yeah. where Coos just he was, flustered the hell out of Malkin. That was, was, that was one of the greatest that. series I've ever seen, yeah. I loved it. I was at one of those games where it was like 10 to 3 or something like that. And I, I'll never forget it. Walking out of the Wells Fargo Center, I'm just like, Jesus. Like, I just watched one ridiculous game of hockey. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember being a senior in high school and just going nuts during the entire <laughs> right? series. Oh. So we're done with the, I guess we'll call it big names in terms of forwards. But before we move on to some of the bigger names with defense and obviously the one goalie that we're going to discuss as well, Albe Kubel, what I'm assuming this one's going to be quick. Um, Matt Casey, what are you most disappointed in with Albe Kubel's game from last season to this? I, I mean, one is it's the penalties. I mean, the guy is just taking just horrific penalties and he's not contributing necessarily on the scoreboard. But now he's just a total detriment to a team that is really shoddy on, on the penalty kill. I will say, I think last year was actually the ceiling that we saw for uh, for uh, Nicholas Aviakubel. Um, the guy was actually scoring, but if you if you think back to the goals he was scoring, he was snapping from like top circles and like maybe there were good shots. But I think he was just like kind of surprising goalies, and we haven't seen any of that. And I think it was a little bit of like. Okay, that may, that one may have been a little bit lucky, um, and I, I just think we saw the ceiling from right now. Like, if he's our fourth line winger, I'm not opposed to that. 
I just I, I don't think the point production is going to be there, and I think he is going to be replaceable. Uh, but you know what? The guy brings energy. I think he skates hard. I think you know he's what a minus three this year. Obviously not great, but um, you know. I don't think we can expect anything more from an offensive contribution more than what we saw last year. I can't say I disagree with any of those points. <laughs> Your take, Hoagie. I completely <laughs> agree. I completely agree with all those points. He literally, like, he said penalty penalties, and I was like, "Damn, he took mine." Good luck following that. That's the one thing I feel like. Just with all being the penalties, it's so damn frustrating. Oh, and it's every every single one is just a bad one. Like, it mm-hmm. it wasn't he the one where like we were up like two goals against Boston and he he took the one like late in the third period with a minute left to go, and they ended up tying the game to send it to overtime. Chances are, he, yeah, he closed <laughs> his hand on the puck. He oh. closed his hand on the puck yep. for the yeah, and like. I was actually listening to to another Flyers podcast earlier this week, and they identified that game as like the turning point game of the season, where everything just spiraled out of control. And I actually, I think they're right. You know, being up two goals with ten minutes left in a game, and you blow it by taking penalties. And even our buddy Scott Lawton blew it on that one too, because uh, he took a penalty with seven seconds left. But you can plug yeah, that yeah, podcast. That was, yeah, it's okay. That was- it's uh it's flyers daily uh it's a a good one with jason martinez Martinez Uh, is great um you you definitely have to plug that one yeah i was listening to martinez every day during covid and it got to a point where i was like all right i I can't listen anymore (laughs) needs to start putting out more content like i need more (laughs) yeah all right, so we ran through all the forwards here. Obviously, the unanimous decision with Albie Cubell is the fact that he's taking ridiculous penalties at ridiculous times. We've talked about Phil Myers a little bit. There's another pair of defensemen that we need to discuss, and Ivan Provorov is the biggest of the two. Are we going to attribute this to the fact that he doesn't have a steady partner and steady in the, in the term of you know consistent, like night in and night out? Or steady is in the fact that like he's a steady defensive hand. Um, I to be honest, I'm kind of surprised he's on here, but I'm also not surprised at the same time. I his game's been consistent, but it's not been consistently good. Um, I think it, it. I think it's definitely probably contributing to not having a consistent top pairing defense defenseman when Niskanen left um and I I feel like I feel like we're depending on him to play way too many minutes night in and night out and doing what he and just doing what he does is just unbelievable like playing 25 minutes a night like I can't I can't even imagine like that's the just man incredible is a workhorse <laughs> oh my god yeah what do you think so, Matt Casey uh, yeah you know I Look, there's no way around that that this is getting surprise retirement. You know, it, it was detrimental to, to Ivan's growth as, as a player. What I'm seeing now, and look, he and Braun are doing okay, but Justin Braun is never going to be confused, as, especially at this age, for a top-pairing defenseman. And, you know, fl- Flyers seem to be really flush with, uh, you know, bottom two defensive pairings, unfortunately, right now. And, and that's honestly where Braun 
belongs. And, you know, guys had a great career, but that's where he belongs. But what you're seeing now, in my opinion, is Provorov trying to compensate for the lack of um, steady partnership or the lack of production with his partner. And so you're seeing him, instead of making the easy pass, he's trying to rush it out of the out of the zone too much, then he blows a tire and walk away. Um, I think on the power play, I, I, I think you got to probably put Sanheim up on, on P, uh, PP1 and, and give Provorov a little bit of rest during that time. I think Sanheim is an offensively gifted defenseman. Um, but overall, I think you have Provorov trying to do the job for two, and so he's just not... He's not doing either one of those jobs right. That's a great point. Absolutely. I think, you know, I, I like the idea of Sanheim getting some power play time. I think that, you know, sure, Provorov can play 25 minutes a night, but that time comes on the power play. It comes on, to my knowledge, the penalty kill as well. Give the guy a little bit of a break. You have Goss to spare too. You know, he's right. a power play right. specialist. So use that to your advantage. You know, you have a guy in Goss to spare who they wanted to try Sam Morin at wing, and that's the guy they probably should have tried at wing. But, but anyways, <laughs> you know, it, a lot has been asked of him this early on in his career. And it's, it, I mean, last year was probably his best year to date. You know, having a steady partner in Niskanen really helped him because there are still flaws in his game, you know. Niskanen mm-hmm. was the type of guy that made it easier to mask those flaws because he was so defensively sound, but also knew, like, they, they read each other really well, and that was encouraging, and the mm-hmm. the retirement sucked, you know, it, it just sucked the life out of you because you're like, there goes the partner, like, that, that guy was supposed to be the bridge mm-hmm. to the next guy, whoever that could have been, maybe one more year and Myers would have been able to take over, who knows, but... I'm not going to blame it all on Niskanen being uh, retired and leaving the team. Provorov does need to find his footing here sometime soon. You know, a lot of people have discussed, you know, is he a Batman? Is he a Robin? Um, This year has a lot of people convinced that he's a Robin as opposed to a Batman. And I still think he has the potential to be Batman. Um, Mm -hmm. But we're definitely not seeing it this year. And that's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. But, I mean, Provorov, Provorov, Provorov is always good at, you know, going back and forth. One year he's bad. One year he's good. One year he's bad. One year he's good. And mm-hmm. this is, unfortunately, this season where he's trending in that bad direction. Yeah. And his offensive numbers, like, aren't terrible. I mean, it's not like a complete down year that we're just talking offensive. But, you know... A lot of people counter-argue what I'm about to say with the fact that he handles the puck a lot, but you're seeing a lot of giveaways. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's he's handling it too much. As as Matt would say, he's overcompensating, trying to get the puck out, yeah. either forcing mm-hmm. it himself or just, just throwing it up the boards to nobody. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing him give the puck away at, at the very least once a game. You know, he's got 47 mm-hmm. 47 giveaways so far in 44 games. Which Jesus. It, it, it's just bad. Yeah. When you see that number over one per game, it's frustrating and it, it's not a good sign. But again, 25 minutes a night, you're going to be handling the puck a lot. So it, I don't want to say it makes I, sense, but it, it, in that term, it kind of does. I, I think the ones that kill me and, you know, back in the power play, it's like 
how many times has it been him who's, you know, the, the pucks come off a stick and all of a sudden it's a two on one on, on and team shorthanded and freaking Marshawn puts, puts it in again. Um, I feel like he is victimized quite a bit on the power play at the point and not holding that puck in. And again, that's a tough position and you gotta, you gotta run that point. But um, you know, this is a, a, an uncanny amount of shorthanded goals that we seem to be letting up here. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so we shift our focus to another defenseman here, and this one I feel like it, it falls in the, more of the same boat as Myers. We're looking at Travis Sanheim and the season that he had last year compared to the season that he's having this year. Statistically speaking, it's not too far off, but we're looking at a guy who really was tasked with taking that next step, along with these other guys, but I feel like a lot more was put on Sanheim's shoulders knowing that he would kind of anchor that second pairing. Um, and we're really – the first half of the season, man, was just brutal. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, running into the boards face first, uh, turning over pucks left and right. Like, it doesn't get more frustrating than that. And we're seeing him round a bit of a corner here, playing a little bit better, <laughs> you know – call it recency bias, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, that game-winning goal against the Islanders came off his stick. Like, yeah, okay, what's he supposed to do about that, you know? Right. Um, but right. Yeah, it was definitely not his fault. Exactly. But, like, you still need to see more out of this guy. Am I wrong? Absolutely. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been told I'm wrong before. It's okay. You can tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> no, no, I mean – he has shown so much potential. And I think I think this year, Vigneault and the rest of the coaches were taking the training wheels off and said, just go. Do what you do. And it uh, for some reason, he just kept falling off the bike. <laughs> and like he showed so much <laughs> offensive upside. And I mean, from last year he was a he was a plus four, and this year he's a minus fifteen. That I mean, that just shows you that the Sandheim Myers pairing from from last year to this year has just been a polar opposite, and like teams just know what to do to get around these two. It's mm-hmm. like get them in the transition and just beat them. That's all you have to do. Yep, absolutely right. I agree. What do you think, Matt Casey? Yeah, it's it's been tough to watch. I think it's, you know, all, all the players that we've talked through on this list, you know, are, you know, they're all, what, 24 years old max. Um, and so, I mean, you know, it, it's a young crew. And I think what you're seeing is the circumstance of, yes, Niskin and Lee, so everybody is expected to play up and not playing to that potential. But then with the shortened season and the fact that you basically have zero practice time, to fix any sort of like issues that you have uh, from a, a defensive structure standpoint, and a breakout standpoint, and a neutral and a neutral zone uh, coverage standpoint, like it, it just snowballed, and like you just there wasn't you know the the finger just couldn't hold the dam, and you just saw one by one all of these guys start to flounder, and Sandheim definitely falls into that, and so you know I, I hate to again be the optimist, but it's like. Okay, if we if we get to December next year and we're still seeing these same problems in a more normal situation in a normal season, I'm going to be really worried. But 
you know, we've seen Sandheim get better. We've seen the team in the last two weeks, except when they're playing Washington, uh, get better. <laughs> um, and and uh, so, I, you know, I'm not ready to pull the ripcord on Sandheim. I still think he is a solid second-pairing defenseman. Um, I wonder if Myers is the right partner for him. Um, and I think we've seen, you know, the, 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 the pendulum swing against that this year, but, um, you know, I, I think he's one of many that have had a very, very tough year. Yeah. You always hope because you saw those glimmers last year and those flashes in the pan of that being a very successful pairing between Sanheim and Myers. Mm-hmm. But then you have a lot of games this year where you see those two playing together and it's like, boy. <laughs> that went wrong. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And so we finally get to the last player that we want to discuss here tonight. It's Carter Hart. Um, there's no way to beat around the bush about this. Carter Hart's been bad. Um, you could call it a product of the defense being bad in front of him. You could just call it a, an abnormal season, unprecedented circumstances, Every excuse that Chuck Fletcher has used to tell you why he didn't make a big move at the deadline. This, to me here, is probably the most frustrating because in his third year in the pros, and I mean third year, he saw time his first year. It wasn't, you know, a full season. But this, man, I just, you see how good he can be. And the, I mean, this guy has the most pressure, I think, in my opinion, out of everybody in this franchise because it's been a never-ending carousel of goalies and this guy was supposed to push the stop button on that. And he hasn't, this year at least. Like, yes, the defense has been bad. Yes, you know, they haven't... The forwards' defensive play hasn't even been that good as well. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing a guy who went from allowing what 2.2 goals per game last year in 2.4 yeah it, well his goals against yeah it's 242 but yeah. he allowed 2.2 goals per game in his 43 games uh, right, right, right. this year in 27 games he's allowing 3.3 like he's allowing one more goal per game which it could be a difference maker in any of these games except when you're playing the rangers um <laughs> I don't I just don't get it, I guess you could say. Because, yeah, it's easy to blame the defense. It's easy to blame the play in front of the goalie. But when you got a goalie who is as good as Carter Hart, he's good. I I swear by it. He is very good. It's frustrating seeing that. Am I wrong? I would say no, not wrong at all. And it's been, you know, I think that's been the biggest disappointment and, you know, you look at it, the kid's 22, weight of the world on his shoulders, no doubt about it. Goalies are notoriously a strange breed, so you're like, what is happening up in that head of yours, Carter? What's going on? Um, but, look, collectively as a team, the defense has sucked. Uh, from the forwards and the back checking all the way down to the defense and the turnovers and the puck handling. And that creates a very tough environment for a goalie. With that said, you know, there were tough games – Last year, there's been tough tough games this year. And last year, he was able to make that one miraculous save or a couple of miraculous saves. But honestly, we probably saw that in Pitt, in the Pittsburgh game on, what was that, Thursday night. Like, yeah. that was the closest that we've seen of Carter Hart. Um, I just don't think 
the confidence isn't there in the defense. The defense doesn't have confidence in the offense. The offense doesn't have confidence in Carter Hart making a save. And it's just overall just a trust and a confidence thing from a team from top to bottom. And Carter, yeah, he takes the blame on it, and he needs to be better, and he needs to dial his game in. Um, you know, I'm I'm baffled. I don't know what his, this injury is that it is the latest thing that caused quite the conundrum on Saturday. Like, I was really bummed out. I was like, okay, are we actually going to see a good Carter Hart tonight to follow up that Pittsburgh performance? And now it's just like, oh, God, more excuses. Here we go. Yeah. It's frustrating seeing him play the way he played in the playoffs. He was the reason that team made it to the second round and made it even to a game seven in that round against New York. Then to come out this season, and he started it out like not – it wasn't bad. Like he, he did all right. And then it just went completely downhill from there. You know, and that's yeah. – I just – I don't know whether it's a confidence thing, whether it's not having confidence at all in the players in front of him or not. But hopefully – and I'm saying this and take it with a grain of salt. Hopefully we can see the real Carter Hart next year – when there, again, hopefully, is a normal regular season, 82 games starting at a normal time, you know, again, normal I, pace. Yeah, normal pace. You, this, it's just so. The circumstances surrounding this season have been difficult. It's a a hurdle that not only Carter Hart has had to deal with, but the entire NHL has had to deal with. You know. We hear it all the time. It seems like that's just the biggest excuse for the Flyers to use. But it's like everybody's used this excuse or everybody can use it because we're all going through the same thing here. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be really interested to see how they play on, was it, Thursday, Friday. We have the back-to-backs with the Rangers. And, you know, look, it's an excuse. I get it. The Flyers have been dealt a really crappy hand. Not as bad as Vancouver, but like a really crappy hand between – the massive amount of players that had COVID and then having to trek out to Tahoe for that, you know, that PR stunt Blech. and then coming back and, you know, not really give it enough practice time to get the guys going. It's an excuse. I get it. Like people complain about it. You don't hear the players complaining about, but I'll say like, that's a tough hand to, to get through. This is the first three day stretch that they've had. I want to say since like February, like early February. Yeah, uh, where they've just been able to since, practice, get a day since off since the season started. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so I'm going to be really interested to see what team comes out on Thursday night. Um, and you know, I love the idea of playing spoiler to the Rangers. Like that's how you know that's basically the goal at this point. It's like, hey, if we're not making it, you're not making it, and let's beat the crap out of the Rangers for two games. But um, you know, with the practice time and with, you know, a little bit of time to heal up and get mentally right, like, I'm going to be interested to see how these guys come out. Absolutely. I agree. I think that playing spoiler should be their biggest priority right now because we all know they're not going to make the playoffs. Whether they're still mathematically involved in the playoff chase shouldn't matter. This team is not destined for the playoffs. And if they somehow, by some ridiculous way, make it, they're going to get trounced in the first round. I'm convinced. <laughs> I'm, not wa- I'm not watching. <laughs> I'm watching, but I'm no, not, I, there's I, no I high hopes. <laughs> I, I cannot see us beating and Boston Islanders, even the Rangers in Washington. Um, I, we, we will not win a seven-game series with them this year. Um, uh, it's just not the cards. I think, Derek, to go with your point, though, I think, yeah, like, 
spoilers number one, but I think assuming it's healthy, I think number two's got to be like Carter. You got to you got to get your game dialed in and get some confidence going into the offseason. Because um, yeah. God, God forbid, like he has some another blowout game or a couple more blowout games against like New Jersey or something like that. Ugh. Like that kid's going to be stewing in it for the next four months, and God yeah. knows what he's going to count as. Yeah, playing for yeah, pride. No, I, that's I, that's yeah. Exactly. But I kind of want to bring up a point about Carter Hart. Um, I feel bad for the kid, but I have a lot of a lot of friends, a lot of people. Over the past weekend, I was down in Philadelphia for a wedding, and they go, oh, well, it's just a sophomore slump. I was like, well, you can't really call it a sophomore slump with Carter Hart. He's never played a full NHL season. That's true. He came man. in midway through the first season. Yeah. Last year was cut short. And this year's condensed. It's not a sophomore slump. You kind of have to feel for the kid. He's kind of been dealt a bad hand in his first quote unquote third season. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, come on. I mean, I'm going to say it. I'm going to quote my buddy who is drunk in an Eagles game. It's three whole team. Like, <laughs> it's been the whole team. No one's playing in front of him. No one's helping him. No one's helping him in the defensive zone. It's just been completely terrible to watch and his confidence you can just see it just like just drain out of him and like this team has to do that i want to see the team where when carter hart came in all blocking a shot and helping him make those saves Mm -hmm. and this team is just leaving him out to dry and it's a shame because i'd hate to see carter hart leave philadelphia because He's going to do what if, – if he does leave, he's going to do what Bobrovsky did and just tear it up. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the worst nightmare. Like, I just – I can't even begin to fathom if that were to happen. I would probably start rooting for another team. I, I hate to say that, <laughs> but that would be the <laughs> biggest mistake to let him like... walk, trade him, whatever it is. Oh. Yeah, it'd, it'd just be just dumb. It, I'd, I'd, I'd probably be right right with you, right with you there, Derek. <laughs> just just walking away. But I also want to I also want to uh, pull up a something that you said, Derek, in a in a podcast a while ago. Oh God, you're getting that. You're no, you're. <laughs> when you said it, I was like, holy crap, he's right. You're getting that feeling in your stomach when whenever the opposing team crosses that blue line into the offensive zone. The puck's just gonna go into the net. Yes. Regardless of whatever shot they're on take, it's just gonna go in. You and had I, that feeling, yeah. I. Yeah, I like last year. You didn't have that feeling. This year, it's just bad. And I, I probably say it to myself five or six times a game. That should have been a goal. That should have been a goal. Like, and and most of the time it's not a goal because the team flubbed the shot and it just went wide. But like. <laughs> <laughs> most most times it's like oh defenseman's out of position oh Carter Hart had no idea that the puck was on that side <laughs> like it's just it's just bad <laughs> yeah it, it it dates back to the times with Nuvi Nuvi and Elliot Nuvi and Mason like as good as Mason was and I'll I'll die on that hill I thought Mason was a good goalie um you just yeah. always had that little pit in your stomach where you're like man. Any shot can go in at any time, and you learn that the hard way in the playoff series against the Caps when Mason let one in from center ice, 
So I'm like, God damn it, Mason. <laughs> or, 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 or God forbid, you have uh, the 2010 series clincher, you know, from, from uh, behind the goal line. So I had to watch uh, that clincher. at the Wells Fargo Center. I was at that game and I saw that goal go in. Uh, I cried. I, I, I might not have <laughs> cried, but I was very upset. We're watching the monitors. And I, I'm with my mom. My mom is the biggest Flyers fan in the world. Like I, I'm surprised I haven't been able to talk her into coming onto this show. But <laughs> she, I, I'm yelling back to her. I'm like, it went in, and she's like, "Are you effing kidding me?" <laughs> I'm like, no, I wish I was, but it, I'm not. Well, okay, we've been through the regressions. We've been through the Wyshynski tweet. We've been through just about everything worth talking about aside from the play of the flyers but again not really worth talking about so not much to talk about <laughs> <laughs> exactly so hoagie let's go over to you man let everybody listening know where they can find you uh you can find me at uh pod street hoags on the on the twitter i've kind of kind of regressed on there because it's just been such a Haven't philadelphia <laughs> garbage fire lately <laughs> it just makes me depressed <laughs> so yeah give me a follow if you like if you don't that's okay too <laughs> how about you matt casey uh yeah you can find me at ion orange eye on orange and um yeah check out the uh the, the three storyline previews that we do it's uh it's fun to write and uh thanks for everybody for reading it and leaving comments so it's uh good times See, Matt always puts the most interesting spin on the previews that I've ever seen, and I thoroughly enjoy editing those pieces. Like, it is a blast to just go through and read it. It is, it's just so entertaining, and it brings up so many good points in such a great way. Uh, I don't mean to yeah. pump your tires here too much, but <laughs> it's just no, a no, really no. cool way. The gifts, the gifts do it for me. It's like, oh man, that's that's a great insert right there. It gets you geared <laughs> up you, for a team. If you like that... flyers and <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, go ahead, Matt. If you I'm like sorry. flyers and, and, and if you like flyers and outdated '90s pop culture references, this is your your article to read every game. Right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you can find me on Twitter at PodStreetBob. For the absent John Gove, you can find him on Twitter at PodStreetGove, but he wasn't here this week, so who cares? You can find the PodStreetBullies <laughs> on Twitter at PodSTBullies. You can find all three of our written works on PodSTBullies.com, your number one source for flyers, fun stuff. I guess that's the new slogan. That's the new slogan. Sometimes. Yeah, Yeah, sometimes. We'll go with that. We're going to go with that. Check out podstbullies.com. We've always got some great articles up there to read up on. We had just one come out today. Matt's previews. Hell, Hoagie's – I mean, Hoagie, you've put out the previews every week. You've put out the the TK piece. That was the first piece you ever put out, and I remember being blown away. I thought it was fantastic. Great stuff. Absolutely. That was was the first one to to gross 100, right? Right, Derek? It was. You actually beat me, and I will forever hold a grudge against you for being the first person (laughs) at my own goddamn website to crest 100 views. I I remember just watching it the the entire night. I was like, holy crap, holy crap. 
And then yep. I sent it, I sent it like, to my buddy. I was like, dude, I just hit a hundred views. He's like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> I did not expect it to hit that. Like, I remember just a fun article to write that I almost didn't even write. <laughs> I remember texting John saying, we have to fire Hoagie right now. And he's like, why? <laughs> like, because no one can have more views than me. And he's like, get over yourself, you selfish prick. <laughs> John, go fashion. In John Go fashion, he's like, shut the hell up. <laughs> but no, you, everybody listening right now, you know where you can find us. Please tune in next week. We'll have a new show. We'll catch you up on what's going on in Flyerland. But for now, I'll leave you as I've always left you with a Let's Go Flyers. <laughs>